Good evening, church. Are you guys good? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the privilege of just being able to come together and being in your presence. I thank you for everyone here. I pray that you bless them, you bless their families, you bless their week as we put you first. And we commit the service in your precious and holy name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give someone a high five as you take your seat. Awesome. Are you guys good? Who's had a good weekend? Who's been enjoying the bipolar Cape Town weather system that we've enjoyed the last two weeks? Rain, sunshine, freezing cold weather, sunshine, rain. It's strange. But it is Cape Town, right? And that's okay. Because it's Cape Could be, Imagine this weather somewhere else in South Africa. It'd be horrible. But you guys are in the promised land. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you who don't know, my name is Matt, and I have the privilege of being on team at our Camps Bay location, and uh, we have a lot of fun there, and I do proudly say that we have the best view out of any of the locations, so if you want a good view, come to Camps Bay, 10 a.m., Camps Bay High School next week, Sunday, it'll be good to have you, and uh, we really are having a good time there, and just, it's incredible to see what God's been doing, and uh, it really is a blessing, and can I encourage us, you would have heard a few times, but Holiday Club is happening this week. At, uh, at our Table View and Mark Bush location. And I want to encourage you, if you aren't serving uh, at a capacity where you're here during the week, can I ask you to serve with your prayer? Is that okay? Can we just pray that young people have such solid encounters and connections with God? I'm a product of this church believing in the next generation. We don't do Holiday Club lightly. We don't have kids' church just for the sake of having kids' church to babysit. It really... There are environments where young people can experience the presence of God. It's an environment where young people can have leaders who invest into them, who can disciple them, who can mentor them. And, and I wanna, really want us to pray that parents are going to be changed because of what God is going to do in their children's lives this week. Can we pray that we're going to see families saved because of what God's going to do in the lives of young people? Amen. Can we believe that grandparents are going to get saved? and the aunties and the uncles, and all the far family members that they haven't seen for years, something so strongly is going to shift in families because of what God is going to do. And I believe it's going to happen on the back end of your prayer. So please, pray this week. Hold the leaders up in your prayers. Hold the children up in your prayers, because we're going to believe for a revival in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, we are in week two of our encounter series and I'm really stoked that we're doing this series. And for those of you who don't know, this series is leading up to our prayer and fasting week. And I want to encourage you, at the end of July, we're going to be praying and fasting for five nights. And we're going to be believing for breakthrough. We do it twice a year. We do 21 days at the beginning of the year. Then we have almost a recalibration midway in the year. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing. And please don't miss out. Our prayer and fasting weeks are so powerful. We've seen God do incredible things, not only in that week, but on the back end of that week too, with all the prayers, with all the, oh God, I need my strength from you because I'm not going to get it from food. We see breakthrough. We genuinely do. So don't miss out on the breakthrough that you're believing for. Don't miss out on the encounter that you're believing for because you don't think that you can fast. I promise you, you can fast. You can fast, you can do liquid only, or you can cut something out of your diet. You can, you can do no, 
YouTube, which I know some young people would struggle probably more than food. You know who you are. Watch all those Minecraft channels for hours. I don't even know if there are Minecraft channels, but I'm assuming that there are. But really, what you're doing is you're going, I'm going to take something out of my life where I find strength in, where I find comfort in, and I'm going to go no to that, and I'm going to ask God for strength. And what it does is it helps us get onto God's page. It helps us get onto what God wants for us. So please join us. It really is a powerful week in the life of our church. And this is what the series is speaking into. The men and women in the Bible who've had significant encounters with Jesus. Significant encounters with God. Where they were so significant that we get to look back and learn from these encounters. So please learn from them. Be encouraged from them. Be edified by what God did in their life. And tonight, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Paul. And specifically, because he had many encounters with God. He saw God move in some seriously miraculous ways. But most likely, what was the most miraculous encounter that Paul had was on his way to Damascus. Now, for those of you who don't know, before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. And Saul was a very, very bad dude. He hated Christians. In fact, he was a religious man. He, he knew the Old Testament probably better than anyone back in those times. He was well-educated. He was well-respected. He had this influence about him, but he had one mission. And his mission was to make sure that Christians, if they weren't jailed, would be killed. That was his goal in life, was to kill Christians, to kill anyone who was part of the way, the truth, and the life, to kill anyone who declared that Jesus was their Lord and Savior. He wanted to put a stop to what the church was doing. And that's what he was doing. People were being killed because of the instructions of Saul. Men, women, and children lost their life because Saul thought it was the best thing to stop the movement of the church. But something happened on the way to Damascus. Something supernatural. He had this supernatural encounter, which we're going to be encouraged by tonight. And we're going to read it together. But as we read it, I want you to picture this unfolding. I want you to see Saul for this angry, zealous, religious, someone who hated the church, someone who would have hated you, who would have hated your spouse, who would have hated your friends, who would have hated the fact that we were here tonight. This is the man I want you to imagine as we read the scripture. And then I want you to see that moment that God spoke to him. So we're going to read it together. Is that okay? It's found in Acts 9 verses 1 to 20. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on, on, on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus. I am the one that you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city. 
and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. After, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about, what, about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. I don't know about you, but that's a powerful encounter that Paul had. Later on, his name changed to become Paul, the Apostle Paul. But that was a powerful encounter. Now, before we go on with the rest of the message, there's some key points that we can learn from that story. And the first point I want to encourage you guys with is that our God is sovereign. Our God is a forgiving God. Our God is the God of grace. Our God is the God of mercy. Our God is the God of love. We serve the sovereign God. And I say this because we serve the all-powerful God. And what does that mean? It means no one is too far gone to have a life-changing encounter with God. No one. I don't know about you, but I can pretty much put a bet on the fact that there's no one in your life that is going out trying to kill Christians. Anyone? There's no one. If you put your hand up, let us know because we can, you know, we can sort them out. That's fine. More Christians than that person. But there's no one. And I don't know about you, but killing Christians is a pretty big deal in my book. That's God's children, people who he's called, people who he's, he's got a purpose for. That's a big deal. Yet God was sovereign and supreme enough to meet Saul and change his life forever in one encounter with him. All it takes is one encounter. Our God is sovereign. No one is too far gone. And, and I want to encourage anyone tonight who believes that there's people in your life who's too far gone to ever meet Jesus. Let this be a reminder to you tonight to keep praying for that person, to keep praying for your father, to keep praying for your mother, to keep praying for your grandparents, for your extended family members, for your boss, for your work colleagues, for your neighbors. I don't know who that person is, but I pray that tonight you will be reminded that they are not too far gone 
to have an encounter that will change their life with Jesus. The second thing we learn is that no matter what you've done in your past, it will never change the purpose and plans God has for you. I'm going to say that again. No matter what you've done in your past, it will never change the purpose and plans that God has for you. So many people would have disqualified Paul for what he had done in his past, but all it takes is for God to ordain him to do the works that he had already set out for him. That speaks to us in two different ways. I want to encourage you tonight, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. The day that you had that encounter with Jesus, where you gave your life to him, your sins were forgiven, your place in heaven was secured, and the plans and the purposes that God had for you became activated in your life. God wants to use you. It's up to you now. On the other hand, I want to encourage us as Christians. When we see people who we know who've come from a very bad past experience Jesus for the first time, can we speak purpose and destiny over their lives? Let us never get to the place where we go, I don't believe that that person is really saved. That's between that person and God. Let us believe in the best for that person doesn't matter what they've done. They haven't killed Christians. <laughs> and if they haven't killed Christians, I'm pretty sure they haven't done that bad of a thing. Their purpose is secured in their salvation when they meet Jesus for the first time. Can we be people who encourage them? Can we be people who walk the journey with them? Can we be people who go, hey, we are going to do this together? Because it doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is that you've had your encounter with Jesus. There's power in encounter. So we understand that Paul had this incredible encounter with Jesus. But if you, and there's not enough time tonight, but we can do a life story of Paul. But that was the most significant encounter Paul had with Jesus. But there were so many more that he had. I believe that Paul had encounters with Jesus every single day. Every day there was a moment where God spoke to Paul. Where God reminded him of his purpose. Because Paul had it rough. He was arrested, he was beaten, he was thrown into jail, he was on shipwrecks. The poor dude, like, who's ever been in a shipwreck before? Uh, no one. <laughs> Lucky if you have. Oh, that's probably too soon, hey. Oh, I just remember that now. That, that wasn't planned, forgive me. I, anyway, I suppose you wouldn't be able to sell us, huh? But every day there was this importance to have these encounters because we need to remind ourselves of the most important encounter. It's the day that we became in a relationship with Jesus. You see, what happened to Paul is, it says in Scripture that the scales came off his eyes. Now, when you study the doctrine of, of Revelation, not the book of Revelation, but the doctrine that speaks of how God reveals himself to us. And when we look at salvation, what happens is when you meet Jesus for the first time, there's a spiritual veil which is lifted from your eyes. And in that moment for the first time, you see clearly. And you see, wow, I've been missing out on so much. I believe in that moment, Paul had the spiritual veil lifted off his eyes. And all that hate and all that anger disappeared because of one encounter with Jesus. But if we're not careful and if, we, and if we neglect these encounters with Jesus, that spiritual veil might come upon our eyes again. It will cause us to stop seeing clearly the way God wants us to see clearly. 
Every day we have to be focusing on having encounters with Jesus. Paul had encounters with Jesus. He spent time with Jesus so that we can see clearly on what God has for us. So there's three things Paul's encounter encourages us in. The first thing that I want to encourage you is that your daily encounters are for you. The encounters that you have, you can be selfish with and go, hey, that encounter's for me. I've got no doubt that Paul understood that he needed that encounter with Jesus that day. Because he knew that if he completed his route to Damascus, men, women, and children, if they weren't chained and thrown into jail, were going to be murdered at his instruction. And his hatred and his anger towards Christians would have carried on for many years. But that encounter was for him. He knew that if it wasn't for that encounter, he wouldn't be living in the purpose that God had for him. Your encounters are for you. God will speak to you on a personal level. God will minister to you on a personal level. Your encounters are for you. Paul, I know, needed that encounter for him. Because he would have stayed that hateful, angry, bitter person. The second thing we learn about Paul's encounter is that your encounters are for others. When God has an encounter with you, when you have an encounter with God, not only is it for you, but it's so important that others get to experience what God has done in your life. It says in Romans 1 verse 1 to 7, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle, sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. And in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell the Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called by, to be His own holy people. May God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. Paul had this encounter. He had this revelation that Jesus Christ was Lord. But he knew that he needed to share with so many people of who Jesus was. He needed to make sure that his encounter was known by so many. So that they could experience this freedom that he had experienced on the road to Damascus. I want to encourage you. There are people in your life who need to experience and hear about the encounters that you have with Jesus. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be blessed. And in God's perfect timing, their spiritual veil is going to be lifted up. But your encounters are for you and your encounters are for others. The third thing we learn about the encounter with Paul is that your encounters will lead you to leave a legacy. Your encounters will lead you to leave a legacy. 2 Timothy 4 verse 6 to 8. And before I read that scripture, I had the privilege of being able to support a family in our church whose the wife's father passed away about two and a half weeks ago. And last week, Monday, we had a memorial where we celebrated his life. And he loved Jesus. 
he served in his local church. But I've, I've been to many funerals. This was the first funeral where several people went up to preach. Oh, not preach, but they got to share and just celebrate his life. Four of them, without speaking to each other prior to the service, shared the same scripture about his life. That's not a coincidence. That's a man who's left a legacy. 2 Timothy 4 verse 6 to 8. This was the scripture that they shared. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. This man's name was Robbie. He had an encounter with God where Jesus saved his life and he knew that God was going to put people in his life that he needed to serve, he needed to encourage, he needed to share because of these encounters that he had with him. And we got to just celebrate just a very small fraction of the people that have spoken about his legacy. We are given these legacies. I mean, we are given these these encounters, not to leave a legacy for your namesake. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Robbie. But it's about the legacy of Jesus. It's about the fact that people who were destined to spend eternity in hell because of Robbie sharing his encounters, because of Robbie sharing his encounters with Jesus, they are now going to spend eternity in heaven. That's the legacy. Paul was the same. People will eagerly await their crown because of him sharing Jesus with them. Your encounters are for you. Your encounters are for others. And more importantly, your encounters will leave a legacy that gives glory to Jesus. There are people in your life who you need to share your encounters with. Because something will happen because you're doing it in the name of Jesus. So how can we usher in these encounters every day. I want to encourage us. We've got to be people who have encounters every single day. Not on a Sunday, in the 10 minutes or 15 minutes of worship, or when someone preaches the good word. Every day, it's our responsibility to have these encounters with Jesus. To sustain us, to remind us, hey, you've got a calling, you've got a purpose, you're an instrument who's going to be used by God today, wherever you're at, because of the encounter you had with Him this morning. 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9 says, And Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve Him with your whole heart and willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek Him, you will find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will reject you forever. The irony of Paul's journey to Damascus was he was marching towards people who already had Jesus in their life. When we accept Jesus into our life, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means he was literally, not figuratively, but literally walking towards the presence of God. The presence of God was awaiting Paul in Damascus. But the beautiful picture is that he didn't know that he was walking to the presence of God and God met him halfway and had this beautiful encounter with him. So the first thing I want to encourage us with is we have to 
walk towards Jesus every day to have these encounters. We do it in our prayer. I want to encourage us, we've got to foster a prayer life. We've got to make sure that prayer is our weapon. God will speak to us in those times of prayer. We'll have encounters in those times of prayer. We will celebrate breakthroughs. If, if we say it all the time. If, if we try and break a door down, we've got to keep that door open. But if God opens a door, no man can shut. Doors are open through prayer. Encounters are received through prayer. How is your prayer life? When you foster an attitude of prayer, you will walk towards an encounter every day. Worship. We got to get into worship. We got to give him thanks. We got to give him praise. We got to give him honor. We got to declare who he is, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We got to sing it out. We got to praise it out. We got to declare it. Worship will foster you into a place where you will receive an encounter from him. Reading your word every day is so important. The word of God is alive. Who's ever read the word of God and, and you read it maybe two months later, the same scripture, and it's spoken to you in a different way, and it's like, oh, moment. wow, that's so good. That's God's word speaking to you. In that moment, you've encountered him and, and that encounter is there to encourage you for the season that you're in. But the only way you're going to have the encounters that come from the living word of God is if you're in the word of God. So we've got to be people who walk towards Jesus every day and he will meet us for our encounters. And it will be clear our purpose and plans that he has for us. Next, I want to encourage us to find someone to share our encounters with. 1 Corinthians 9 verses 22 to 23. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try and find common ground with everyone. Doing everything so that I can save them. Save some, sorry. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. We got to look at Ananias. Ananias had this encounter with God. And his encounter was to go and share to Saul. And say, hey Saul, God spoke to me. I had this encounter and he wanted me to let you know that you are a son of God that's been called by him and have been commissioned to do the work that he has called you to do. And what that did was he laid hands, he regained his sight, and that scripture said immediately he started to preach in the synagogues, declaring that Jesus is who he said he was. Because Ananias shared his encounter with Saul. I want to encourage you. We don't know what's on the back end of you sharing your encounter. We don't know what that might unlock in someone's life. We don't know if someone who is blind will see again spiritually. Someone who is deaf will hear again. Someone who might be dead in an area in their life will become alive again because that moment where you've shared your encounter, God supernaturally worked in it. We've got to make sure that we're having these encounters every single day. Can I ask us to stand? Maybe you're here tonight and you literally just walked into the building and, and you haven't been intentional about connecting with Jesus. You haven't been intentional about fostering yourself into an environment where you will encounter Him in a fresh new way. What we're going to do now is we're going to go back into a time of worship and, and I, and I want to encourage you 
And I can't stress it enough. Use this moment. Don't worry about anyone. Don't focus about who's next to you. But use this moment to connect with Jesus. You can sing the words. You can pray. You can get out your Bible and you can start to read a piece of Scripture. I don't know what you need to do. But whatever it is, I want you to do it. So that you can walk towards having an encounter with Jesus. Jesus is a gentleman. He's never going to come upon you. He always wants to make sure it's something that you want. If you want an encounter, use this moment to speak to Him. In Jesus' name. Third thing I want to encourage you with is you got to do something with your encounter. If God's asked you to speak to someone, go and speak to someone. If God's asked you to pray for someone, pray for someone. If God's asked you to sacrifice something, sacrifice something. When we're faithful with our encounters, we serve a faithful God. And the breakthrough that we need is always on the back end of our obedience. Maybe, it, 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 and, I, and again, I can't stress this enough. Don't give up on those family members. Don't give up on those friends. No matter what they've done, Jesus will always want to meet them. Keep inviting, keep praying, but keep doing something with your encounters. Your encounters are for you, your encounters are for others, and your encounters leave a legacy. Can I ask that everyone closes their eyes? Just out of a sign of respect. What an incredible encounter we got to learn and share about with Paul. A man who was so far gone, a man who hated the fact that people were declaring Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God was faithful. God was sovereign. God was good to meet him in the place that he knew he needed to be met. And in that moment, he was someone who was blind but that spiritual veil was lifted and he could see clearly for the first time in his life. Maybe you're here tonight and you know that you're not seeing clearly. You know that you are living a destructive life. You know that you are making decisions which are not giving God glory. I want to let you know that the presence of God is here tonight. The Holy Spirit is in this building. Salvation is for you. If you want to make that decision, if you want to make a decision to have Jesus in your life, to declare Him the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, to declare that He is your Savior, and to have a revelation of who He is and have that spiritual veil lifted, if that's you on the count of three, I want to ask you to put your hand up. Everyone's eyes are closed. No one's looking. This is a private moment. This decision is between you and Jesus. On the count of three, I want to encourage you to put your hand up. We've, we've gone back into worship. We, we've spoken to Him. We've cried out to Him. No matter how far you are from Him, He is here to meet you tonight. One, two, three. If that's you, do you want to put your hand up? Thank you for that hand over here. There's a hand in front of you. Thank you, Jesus. I saw that hand at the back over there. Thank you, Jesus. Can I just ask if you put the house lights a bit lighter so we can see? No one's looking. If that's you, do you want to put your hand up? If you know that this is the day that you want to meet Jesus, He's here. He wants to be in your life. Thank you for that hand. 
Don't miss out on this opportunity. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know what we have right now is we have the presence of God and the promise of Jesus. Is there anyone else? One last call. Put your hand up. No one's looking. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, we're going to pray this prayer together. Is that okay? Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Tonight, I declare that I am a sinner and that I've fallen short. Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. And from this day onwards, I live my life for you. I pray that you keep me, that you guide me, you show me your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we give Jesus some praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.